Welcome to the Creative Agency Account Manager podcast with me, Jenny Plant from Account Management Skills Training. I'm on a mission to help those in agency client service keep and grow those existing client relationships so your agency business can thrive. Welcome to episode 75. Today's episode is for you if you're interested in any of the following three areas. One, you'd like to know what a client services director does in an award-winning digital marketing agency. Number two, you'd like some tips for how to get more client recommendations. Three, what it means for the client services team if you work for a B Corp agency. Now, I absolutely love my chat with Beth Sharma, and I'm sure you're going to come away with some useful tips and insights for your agency account management role. So let's go over to the intro now. Today's guest is Beth Sharma. Now, Beth is CSD at digital marketing agency Hallam. And I just want to spend a couple of minutes just talking about Hallam before I introduce Beth. Hallam is a strategic digital marketing agency with B Corp status. And if you don't know what that is, we're going to talk about that in a moment with Beth. They have won over 70 industry awards, notably Google's best digital agency in EMEA in 2019. They also won the most recommended agency Grand Prix Award, awarded by industry magazine The Drum, and that was three years in a row. So I'm looking forward to Beth talking to me a bit more about that as well. Hallam worked with a range of clients from global enterprise brands through to non-profits and public sector businesses with the main objective of helping good brands grow. So Beth, a very warm welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Jenny. I, I was just saying before we hit go that I am an avid listener to this podcast, so absolutely delighted to be here. I'm really pleased that you said yes, so thank you so much for being here. So Beth, let's start off. Just could you spend a couple of minutes just talking about, you know, your career path to date? Yeah, sure. It's definitely not been a straight line to where I've got to, certainly. So hopefully that gives people some faith that wherever they're at in their career path, there's definitely roles kind of coming down the line for you. But I actually went to university to study biomedical science. So I was a bit of a science nerd at school and loved just kind of medical studies and studies of the human biology. And then when I graduated, I think I I knew quite clearly what I didn't want to do. I didn't want to sit in a lab by myself and I don't think I wanted to do further kind of academic studies. So I got this really amazing opportunity to go into a commercial function, quite high growth SME. They sold tech to Big Pharma, so all of the top Big Pharma. And I was a bids and contracts associate. That was like my first kind of proper office job. And there I just spent a few years really like honing my skills in the commercial sphere. So I worked in a really busy sales and marketing team. I was responsible for putting together big tender documents for this quite complex SaaS products and worked really closely with some of the most brilliant kind of sales professionals. And I think I I absorbed a lot of that information in my first kind of grad job, really. So I was very lucky to have that kind of grounding in my early career. And then I got an opportunity. I was approached by a startup in the same industry to go into a head of client service role there, which again, so early on in my career, to be honest, I think it was just too early for me to do that role. And I I got there and it was a startup and it was very different to the established business that I'd worked in. And I think I learned quite quickly that you have to wear many hats at a startup. So I was doing all sorts of things. I was putting marketing strategies together. I was doing cold outreach. I was 
talking to the clients. I was almost doing everything. And I think I learned quite quickly that maybe that wasn't the right place for me at that stage in my career. And I needed more growth. I needed more development. So again, kind of in a bit of a chance of fate, I was the MD of Hallam. I was referred on to them by my business mentor at the time. And they just said, go and chat to this guy who runs an agency. He's brilliant. Like, you know, just go and ask for his advice. And went and had a coffee with him and he just said, there's an account management position open. Do you want it? And I just thought I'd jump for it really. Again, it was a new industry for me. I hadn't worked in digital marketing. I hadn't really been trained professionally as an account manager. So I just think I thought at the time, why not? It seems maybe like a place that I'd get more growth and development there and more support. So yeah, so I guess the rest is history. I've been at Hallam for four years and I've progressed from that kind of original account management position to a senior account manager. And then I took on more of a management position. So managing and mentoring the account management function. And then over COVID took on a head of client services role, which encompassed the account management and project management team. That's how client services is set up at Hallam. And then back in kind of April time, they kind of came and said, we'd love for you to take on the client services director position. That position was opening up. And, and yeah, now here I am. Yeah. Wow. Well, I didn't know the half of that background. That is super <laughs> interesting. And I can see, we're going to dive in a minute more about your role as CSD, but I can see that you managed to pick up a lot of experience in a short period of time. Because even though on the surface, it seems you've progressed within Hallam so quickly, I'm not surprised given prior to Hallam what you'd had to do, you know, what you'd had to juggle. Now, you said something quite interesting that I think my ears pricked up. You had a business mentor because someone listening might be thinking, maybe I need a business mentor that will help open doors for me, potentially. Can you just spend a couple of minutes talking about how did you get a business mentor and what was the arrangement? Yeah. So, I mean, again, I was very lucky, actually, that I had one of my really dear friends from school. I'd essentially grown up with this woman and she owned a successful PR and communications business. And I think when I got to maybe just at the point in my career, where I was a bit like, there's a crossroads. I just reached out to her because I knew she was brilliant. I knew I could call on her. And I just said, look, is there any chance you've got, you know, even just half an hour every month to just meet for coffee and just for me to kind of bounce some ideas off you? And she graciously said yes and allowed me to have some of her time. So I think I was lucky that I kind of had that connection. But I think if you're looking for business mentors, look who is in your personal connection as well. Or I think obviously at the time it was a family friend, but, you know, look kind of outwards. And I think if you ask and somebody says no, then it's really not a big deal. It's much better to ask and they say yes, and you get something really beneficial from it than you just kind of thinking, oh, no, they won't do it anyway. They're too busy, you know. So I would say just ask the question and see if they say yes. And it's usually always that they say yes, and it's incredibly valuable. Amazing. And just to go into a little bit more detail on that, were you catching up monthly for half an hour? Was it a regular thing? Yeah, it was. Yeah, we probably did catch up maybe at the start. It was every couple of weeks, but then it maybe dropped down to every month. And we were just yeah meeting in a coffee shop and I'd kind of come to her and I'd say, these are the challenges I'm facing in the workplace or like potentially this is where I'm feeling a little bit unstuck or unsure about where to go. And I think she'd just bounce ideas off me, really. I think it was her role not to even, she wouldn't sit there and say, you should do exactly this. She was just there to listen to me, just offer some good advice and active listening. So yeah, it's brilliant. So I definitely recommend getting yourself a, a mentor if you can. I think that's a golden nugget right there before we've even started the podcast, Beth. I really do, because I think if you are 
ambitious or you're interested in investing in your career and you want to move up the ladder, then why not look around? Just as you said, look for who could support you in that. Because I don't know about you, but in my experience, people are always willing to offer some advice. If you sort of frame it as like 20 minutes of advice, and if you can make it a regular thing, fantastic. And I think the underseen thing about that is they do tend to open doors for you as well. So you get the advice plus you get access to their connections potentially. Yeah, definitely. I think because I was at the start of my career, that really helped. But I think even if you've managed to get on the career ladder and even within a business, look around you. Maybe you could go to, you know, more of a senior leader in another department and just ask if they've got half an hour every month. You know, I think it doesn't have to be like a personal network. It can absolutely be a professional network as well. Very good advice. Thank you. So can you sort of dive into, because I'm sure a lot of people who are listening thinking, I would either like to be head of client service one day, or I'm doing it now and I'd like to kind of be a fly on the wall to how Beth manages things. Can you talk about, you know, what are your responsibilities currently in your role? Yeah. So one element of it is leadership of the account management and project management functions. So I think essentially what I spend my time doing and focusing on is making sure our account management and project management offering and service are best in class, really. And we build an exceptional team of experts in the client services field. So I think it's making sure that the team is excelling at what they need to, and then also setting a vision for that team. Where do we want to be in a year, in three years, and defining that? And thankfully, I've got two absolutely brilliant heads of department who run either, you know, both of those functions. And really, it's just about setting a vision giving it to them and almost getting out of the way. That's often how I approach things because, you know, trusting your team is the most important thing there, really. In terms of general kind of targets or objectives that I'm working towards, it's largely around client experience and client satisfaction. So making sure that across the agency, we are truly client-centric and we are dedicated to providing that great client service. Client growth, so that's, uh, I've got a revenue target essentially, and that's making sure that we are not only retaining, but growing our existing client base. So looking for ways we can cross and upsell our services. We're a full service agency, so it's a little bit easier actually, I find, because we've got so many different products and services that we can kind of cross sell. And then finally, it's client profitability. So again, I'm accountable for the entire agency-wide profitability. And that's where I actually pull on the lead of the project management. So they're really focused on making sure that we're delivering at scale, at speed, but in a profitable way as well. We're not kind of over-servicing our accounts either. So they're the kind of main things that I look after with my kind of specialist role, so to speak. And then I guess on the other side is I'm sat on the leadership team of the agency and essentially I'm accountable with the other members of the leadership team to make sure that we're running a successful, profitable agency and it's a kind of general success for the people working at Hallam as well. So that part of my role, I absolutely adore. So that's been really fun to kind of look at the agency and a business in a much more like holistic way since I've joined the leadership team. Amazing. That was so well put. Now, something you said may be quite different to some other agencies, and I'd love Mm. to dive into that with you, which is the fact that you separate the AM and the PM role. You have two heads of department. Can you speak to a little bit more about how that works? Like, how do they work together? Because this comes up a lot, and I have lots of discussion about this, but I'd love to hear it from your side. How do the two functions work together and how are they different? Yeah, you know what? And I actually think I've listened to some of your other guests talk about this exact thing, Jenny. And to be honest, I would say like it's an evolution still, but I think we're still trying to figure out the best way of doing it. And sometimes in some accounts, it just works 
so well. The project manager and the account manager just seem to gel really well. Everyone knows their place. But then sometimes there's still friction points and there's still a little bit of overlap and it's a little bit of confusion. So um, I guess I'm first to say that we haven't got it right. But I think the way that we're trying to view it now is project managers have specialist skill set and that they're delivery experts. You know, they're focused on how can we make this project go from A to B in the most efficient way, in the smartest way. And they have potentially qualifications around agile and waterfall, like specific project management methodologies. And I think what we tend to lean on our project management team for is the really chunky, discrete projects. So like delivering a website, for instance, or a large scale kind of global campaign, whereas account managers tend to wear both hats on the retainer side of things. So account managers will be doing an element of project management on retainers, but then they'll draft in project managers when there's like a discrete project that needs kind of really tight delivery expertise. So that's kind of project management. And then account management, I think we absolutely can do project management, but I think my focus and what I've always said to the account managers is we have a specialism within account management in itself It's very focused on relationship building and then growth and being that kind of trusted business advisor, being that kind of what I call digital application expert is like, how do we take our services and apply them to our client's business? So I think if we're also adding project management, project delivery into there as well, it just becomes too big for one person. So I think it's just about finding the right project for the right member of staff, really. I think that's how we tend to work at Hallam. That's very well explained. And that makes total sense. Before we leave this topic, I'm just curious because I know that this is equally, I think a lot of other agencies are trying to separate the role. So they're probably in that, you know, evolution stage, like you explained. What typically are the friction points that you refer to? Can you just give us a couple of examples of where that could possibly occur? Yeah, I think the friction points is if you introduce an account manager and project manager to one project, let's say, and one role traditionally takes more of the lead. So let's say web projects, the project manager tends to become like the first point of contact or for retainers, the account manager tends to become the first point of contact because they are focused so heavily on that long-term investment in the relationship. And I think what then can happen, the friction points is when one person feels left behind and that they don't have value to add. So that's maybe things like you double up on calls and somebody sits there and they're like, I have nothing to say. And that becomes really like disempowering for the other person because then they're like, I have no real place in this team, in this squad. And what is my value? So I think whenever I experience this or I hear the team experiencing this, I just say there is no direct rule book for how you should run this. Like if you just want to completely say, actually, the account manager could take the lead here and actually do some of the administrative side of project management, that's the best for the client. Then We don't need a specific way of working on this account and vice versa with the website projects. I think what I've found is that the project managers are perfectly capable also of having like a really solid relationship with clients as long as there's that one person focused on okay well what's next how can we upsell how can we retain this client that once the project is done and dusted they continue with us and I think that's the only thing that I want to make sure that is still focused on in these projects not that the project managers can't have an amazing relationship with the client they're very capable of doing that as well. Absolutely. Because it sounds like, you know, as you said previously, the account management team are very much focused on account growth. You've got a forecast target. You've got to think about, you know, where is the client at? Where are their challenges? Where are their goals? How can we help more with all of our products and services? So if 
that account manager gets too caught up in the weeds of delivery, then they've taken their eye off the ball there. So there's that kind of context, isn't there? So that's really well explained. Thank you. Just out of interest, I mean, obviously, your mentor put you on to Hallam, you met with the MD. What was it about that first meeting with the MD that you thought, right, I really want to work here? Well, I think I joke with Jake that he's just an excellent salesman. So that's why. That's why <laughs> he's talking talking. You into it, basically. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think maybe even the better question is why I've stayed at Hallam rather than why I chose to go to Hallam. I think the culture is genuinely incredibly kind of cushioned for people who join and they really are ambitious and they want to grow and they want to develop. So I think there's a real sense of autonomy, accountability, kind of fail fast mentality. There's a real push to have a sense of ownership in your own work and making sure that if things are going wrong, okay, let everyone just get in a room and talk it out and make sure that the feedback's on the table. I think one of your other guests were talking about radical candor. That's one of our values as an agency. So yeah, I think the culture's definitely kept me there because there's just brilliant people doing really good work. And then I think the second thing... I guess from what makes Hallam different, I think, to other agencies, I feel like our kind of USP, so to speak, is around the delivery systems that we've put in place. And all it really boils down to is we're focused on kind of outcomes and not just outputs for clients. So every kind of client or project we take on, we just make sure that it's grounded in business objectives and we've got a strategy team and an account management team that are really focused on making sure that is always the central point in our discussions versus just delivering in kind of silos of digital marketing services. So that's also, I think, something that then continues to just gain traction, gain success. We win awards for it. You know, we have happy clients at the end of the day. So I think just grounding ourselves in business outcomes and building a kind of a team around that, I think has really been a kind of successful thing that we've moved to over the last few years. I think that's really good advice for anyone listening as well, because ultimately no client's going to part with any money to work with us unless we are directly kind of having an impact on their business. So us as account managers, we're almost acting like management consultants nowadays, aren't we? Yeah, definitely. And it sounds very much like that's how it works with you guys. And it's great to hear that you've got a strategy team as well. How do the account managers work with the strategy team? Can you just talk about that for a sec? Yeah, again, I think we founded the strategy team, I think, kind of first year of COVID. I don't want to say the word COVID anymore. But yeah, when I think we found that it was really vital that we had that kind of central cog in the kind of channel specific strategies that we're putting together. And again, I think there has been some friction points and overlap and a bit like who's doing what, how do we empower the account managers to still feel like they can act strategically rather than just feeling like they need to bring in a strategist at all points of the conversation because that's also not what I don't think the strategy team are for. I think seeing it as like the strategy team is an academic strategy function. So they're there to deliver strategy services and products versus I think an account management team who are there to be consultative and understand how we can apply our services to their business, this concept of digital application expert, but not necessarily be the ones delivering a strategy, you know, project, for instance. So that's how we've kind of separated out the two roles and responsibilities. Very good. And how does the account manager empower themselves to kind of understand more about the client's business outcome? 
Yeah, so we do that in a number of ways. I think starting from onboarding. So we run these things called immersion sessions. So depending on the size of the business, it can run from just, you know, two or three hour sessions to it can be two or three full days, really getting under the skin of our clients' business objectives, their customers, maybe meeting different stakeholders in the business, understanding their products, services. So like really just almost going back to basics and then just saying, if you could just tell us everything about your business, where would you start? And like, let's work backwards from there. Then from there, once we've got all that information, empowering the team with that information to make sure that we're, again, focused on business objectives at the heart of our strategy. We then put kind of a tactical plan together. And then probably the next point of that cycle with the client is maybe like the next kind of QBR, looking back and looking forward. So like, what has changed in the business? How are we kind of meeting your expectations? Are we meeting against your objectives? What's changed in your industry? And I think just, again, trying to take a holistic view. I mean, at all stages of the journey, really, but I think especially getting a really solid foundation in onboarding and then every at least 90 days, you're kind of refreshing that in-depth, holistic view of the business. I think that really helps to empower the account managers to like truly understand the client's business. Really good. And you slipped in something there, which was under the radar, but I want to highlight it because I think it's one of the first times we've talked about it on the podcast. Those immersion sessions, you know, call it what you will, onboarding, immersion. But you said as part of that process, we also make sure that we speak to other stakeholders within the business. So a client's business might have a sales team that you need to speak to, or I don't know, a head of a CTO and the technical department or the, you know, other departments as well as the marketing function that would help you understand more about their customers, presumably. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, definitely. And that's also just a good start with that in mind. So go to the client, maybe it's your first introductory call to your account management team and, you know, ask them the question, who else in the business do you think is important that I get to know? Just ask that question and then they'll immediately be like, oh yeah, our finance director or our head of product or, you know, and they'll start naturally filling in that gap. And then I think it's just about making sure that you, again, a consultative with the client and say like, look, we know everyone in the business I'm sure is very busy, but I think it's really valuable that we speak to your head of product because we're really wanting to get to grips with, you know, the value of the products and how it works. And, you know, so I think it's still about positioning it in a way that is like, we've already figured out who we want to speak to. This is the value to you by us speaking to them. Because, you know, unless it's just like, oh, I want to speak to these people, you don't explain it. They're like, oh, this person's really busy. I don't want to bother them, you know? So I think explaining it in a way that like makes sense to them and you're focusing on the value to them, I think is a really good place to start. I think that's a super smart thing to do at the very beginning because too often, and I end up training people as account managers who say that they have one person as a relationship with that whole client organization. They just know one person. So tenuous because if anything happened to that client contact or the account manager left, the whole relationship's finished. So having multiple points of contact, multiple relationships, I think is super smart. Hallam, I know, as we said at the beginning, is a member of B Corp. And I just wanted, first of all, for you to maybe spend a couple of minutes talking about what it actually is for those who are unfamiliar and also what that actually means in practice for you as an account management team. Yeah, sure. So I think B Corp is simplest really is just like a network of certified companies who 
are focused on leading economic system change. So it sounds a bit wordy, but essentially it's just looking at the way that you do business, maybe away from just purely a profit-led value system to then something that's looking at the people that you have in your organization, the planet and the community that you serve. So it's just taking a viewpoint of business and just switching it around really. And I think the main objective for B Corp or B Labs who kind of own the certification process is just to focus on building an economy that benefits many, not just the few, i.e. shareholders. So they are driving kind of social, environmental push for change, really, around corporate accountability, social impact. And yeah, it's just a fundamental shift from being kind of a profit-led organization to a purpose-driven business. So that's essentially the journey that Hallam's gone on over the last it's been about two years now that I think we've been going on this process. It's taken a solid year of incredible hard work from our managing director and Julie, who's our strategy director. They've led the charge really in this hugely time-intensive certification process where we basically have to demonstrate our commitment and accountability and transparency from kind of employee benefits, charity work, you know, supply chain, making sure we're not working with clients in industries that are obviously harmful for the planet, those kind of things. So I think one thing that we've seen and that impacts me directly is that we've doubled the number of clients that we serve in positive sectors. So renewable energy, for instance, non-for-profits, charities, and we've almost completely, you know, moved away from serving any clients in harmful sectors. So I think even just as a value-driven organization that I think strives for a positive culture, that just really helps motivate the team as well to be like, you know, we're bringing in clients, we're saying no to potentially to some harmful businesses that are coming through and wanting to work with us, like a kind of money's where our mouth is almost, we're kind of walking away from some of those clients, which that's the biggest shift that I guess I've seen in my kind of client service hat, seeing that movement and that shift. So that's been, you know, brilliant, I think, to see that. There was a couple of questions that came up from what you just said. And thank you for explaining what it is. So you said it so succinctly. Two questions. Do you think that this actually gives Hallam more of a competitive edge when they're looking for talent? Because right now, as we're speaking, November 2022, over the last six to eight months, it's been a real struggle for agencies to attract the right people to join their business. Do you think it's a differentiator? I do, but I think it's going to be soon not a differentiator. I mean, I'm already seeing a lot of agencies starting to get B Corp status and that's accelerating. I think it is a differentiator in the sense that I think it's always great to ground yourself in values and develop a healthy culture that people want to come work with. That will always attract good talent, right? And I think it will also attract talent who are also value driven and then it kind of expands into the business that you want it to be anyway you know kind of naturally but I think honestly I think there's just going to have to be a, a shift for businesses to become more environmentally conscious more socially conscious I think funding is just going to start getting funneled towards those businesses who do that so in which case I guess if you were thinking about the long term which clients do we want to be working with in the future? It's going to be businesses that are able to sustain all of this change to additional funding, you know, green levies, like all these things that I think make sense to kind of target those businesses as well, just purely from a new business perspective. So 
I think it's amazing that we've got those values and that we can firmly like, you know, stamp our mark on that. But it's also thinking about like, where are we going to be in three to five years time? I reckon governments around the world are going to continue to prioritise companies that do hopefully have an environmental and social conscience. Fingers crossed anyway, that's what I hope. (laughs) I'm sure you're right. I think that's a great point. My other question was, how do you evaluate a client is harmful? You use the (laughs) word harmful. So I'm just curious, how do you go about doing that? Yeah, so there is kind of um, sectors that B Corp essentially will, you know, put in a criteria of being harmful. So that's kind of like oil and gas and I guess fast fashion and those kind of, you know, businesses that I think just typically have a lot more impacts to the environment than potentially otherwise. And then I think it's also about doing a level of due diligence at the kind of new business stage. Obviously, making sure that they don't have any kind of big PR stories behind them that kind of will follow them around, any culture of kind of malpractice, any issues with, I don't know, kind of responsibility with their employees treating staff badly, you know. So I think we just do a level of of kind of homework and checks and just make sure that the businesses that we do want to work with fit that kind of criteria, really. Great. Makes total sense. How interesting. So just moving on to another topic that I wanted to talk to you about. Hallam has consistently won the Drum Recommends Award three Mm. times. Now that's a huge achievement for the agency because the Drum is the industry magazine. I just wondered if you could just talk about what is the Drum Recommends exactly and how did you manage to win it three times? (laughs) What's the secret? What's the secret? Um, So yeah, the drum recommends essentially an agency league table. So you can set up a profile as an agency. And then what you can do is you can send out surveys to your clients that can then rate you on your services and your products. So I think what we love about shouting about that award is the fact that it's not just something that we've paid to get a seat at the kind of marketing awards table and written a really good entry about our top performing client you know how often we win other industry awards is actually based on collated feedback from our clients direct from them so I think that's why we're always so proud to shout about that so yeah you basically send them a survey they complete just really quick it's like 30 seconds like out of 10 you know how would you rate our SEO services for instance and then they can leave a nice little kind of feedback testimonial as well I think to answer your question what is our secret First, it's not really a secret. It's just do great work for your clients. That's kind of step one, really. So obviously it isn't easy. It's just deliver good work, but that's the first step, really. And then I think the more practical side and the more admin heavy side is we've consistently every point where a client is really happy with our services I just tell the account managers, okay, now is either time to get a drum recommends or, you know, survey out to them, or it's time to ask for a case study. If you can do both, great, you know, happy client immediately. What can we try and extract from them? Testimonials, you know, video testimonials. So the drum recommends this is kind of part of that cycle of kind of continuous, if they're happy, let's get in front of them, takes 30 seconds, job done. And then I think from there, you know, over a year, then you can, you can, Sorry, I was going to say drum up, but you can drum up. <laughs> boom, boom. <laughs> oh, no, it moves. Yeah, you can drum up lots of recommendations. So yeah, that's, I think, what we've done. Great work delivered by the team, but also just having a system where you kind of get good feedback on an ongoing basis. 
That is another golden nugget right there. Asking at the right moment, because you're absolutely right. Once a client's really happy, rather than saying, oh, thanks very much, I'll let the team know. And by the way, would you mind spending 30 seconds? Because you're right. If it only takes 30 seconds, they're more likely to do it, aren't they? Yeah. And the drum recommends, so don't do this. I just top tips for anyone that does want to do this. If you leave it until the surveys need to be completed and the drum essentially gives you a cutoff point, if you take the surveys at that moment in time, there are going to be some clients that maybe just are a bit naturally like, oh, like service levels are that great. Or, you know, you know, a bit grumbly maybe with performance, things are kind of not necessarily the best that it can be. If you go out to all of your clients at that point, then obviously sometimes it's just going to be a moment in time. So if you continually ask for it throughout the year versus leave it all to one time point, I'd definitely recommend doing that over the latter. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's a brilliant piece of advice. And also, if you go and have a look on the drum recommends, you have got a very full looking profile. I was looking on behalf of a client of mine and there is a variability around how much time people seem to invest in what their profile looks like. So it's like any social media profile, isn't it? You want to look like it's active and full. Yeah. And I think for any agency that is maybe struggling to generate inbound leads, sort your drum profile out. That's one of the things that I would recommend doing and focusing on and getting those recommendations from clients. It's, I think, one of the only places that you can really go on and have a almost like trust pilot, right? It's like the equivalent of trust pilots, but for agencies. And I think you'd be surprised at how many people in their journey to purchase for with an agency will do research on that platform first and then they'll generate their shortlist. So I think if you're not seeing any kind of traffic from the drum recommends, probably because your profile isn't great. It means that people aren't even looking at your website. It means they're picking other agencies over you to shortlist. So I think invest in that. It's absolutely worth doing. And we definitely get a lot of people saying, where did you find us? Where did you see us? Oh, you know, I shortlisted from the drum recommends. So definitely recommend spending some time doing that. Very good advice. That's really solid. Thank you for sharing that. Now, you've been in account management for a long time now, and I'm really keen for you to kind of share what you think are the key reasons a client relationship is successful for an agency. I think the main thing that I always come back to when I'm speaking to the team about this is building trust. I think any relationship that has a foundation of trust is it's going to be long lasting and it's going to be fruitful. So I think there are things that you can do. It's almost like I I explain it like a reservoir, like there are things that you can be doing to like add into your trust reservoir. So like adding in your water, but there's immediately stuff that you can immediately do to deplete it as well. So I think there's things that you can just start doing right from the word go and onboarding, build up your reservoir of trust. And then potentially if there's some things that happen naturally, like no one's perfect, the agency doesn't deliver quality work all the time, you know, with mistake free, then at least it only impacts the reservoir a little bit. If that analogy makes sense, spending time building trust, I think is just so, so important. And I think, again, coming back to onboarding, doing things like setting really clear expectations about what actually good looks like to the client, because if you're singing from different hymn sheets, then that trust is never going to be built effectively. So what we tend to like to do at Hallam is essentially we've got just an expectations framework on a page. It's something that I get the account manager and the client to fill out right at the start. And it's like, okay, what is award-winning behaviors to you? What is award-winning performance? What is award-winning delivery? And then also on the other end of the spectrum, if we're just really, you know, pissing you off at all moments, what does that look like? 
And then at least if the client and the account manager agree on that and they say, okay, great, we're on the same page, then at least the account manager has something to go back to the team continuously and say like, these are the award-winning behaviors, are we achieving them yet? Okay, if not, how do we get there? How do we get there? How do we get there? And then if, you know, on the other side, if things are going wrong, oh, I think it's because we're maybe not getting back to the client on time or we're delivering work with mistakes in it. These were the things that we said, the client said really will annoy them. So let's try and get back to that award-winning behaviors. And I think that as a firm foundation, I think I've really found helps build trust over the long term. What a great piece of advice. And I love that. And it's actually something that people can implement straight away. Any other tips that you can throw in there that have been successful for you? Yeah, I think I listened to your podcast with Gareth Turner talking about agency client relationships and a lot of the, what he was saying really resonated. I think setting healthy standards and boundaries as an agency to kind of almost just empower the team to not feel like they need to be walked all over by the client stakeholder. Like you're sometimes going to meet people on the client side who maybe can be a little bit more kind of fiery and a, a little bit more of that kind of red energy director type, which may start, you know, rubbing people the wrong way. And I think I always just try and empower the team to feel like they can push back. They can say, look, we're not replying to that email at 9pm. Sorry, they're just outside of our working hours. And just setting these kind of healthy practices right from the word go. Because I think if there is that power imbalance, which I think, you know, typically there can be naturally anyway with a kind of supplier client relationship the client has the money the agency needs to deliver the service I think if we try and rebalance that and just create that level of respect there I think that really helps create you know successful client relationships because you know you have your point of view and your expertise and you absolutely can push back and say no at times that's absolutely a good thing to do when your account teams or project management teams are at the point where they have to have a difficult conversation with the client, how do you support them in that? Or do you have any kind of advice or tips around how to manage a difficult conversation with the client? Yeah, I think it really depends on who the client is firstly. So what even is their personality type? What is their communication style? I think just asking the team to maybe lay that out first, be like, okay, Talk me through it. If you could describe this person, how would you describe them? How do they normally talk to you? And then trying to get them to think about, okay, well, what are the challenges? Where could you put yourself in their shoes as well? Like, what are the things that maybe they could be annoyed at? Or what are the things that we could take accountability for as an agency? So right at the first point before they've even had that conversation, thinking about like, what could we have done better? Because that already immediately disarms people. So you go into a room and say, look, you know, I I know this is a challenging situation. And also, you know, we understand that these things are frustrations. We will take accountability for X, blah, blah, blah. But I think, you know, it's about setting that foundation at the beginning before you even go into the room, noting all of those things down and being really clear about like who they are, the communication style, and then potentially what we could take accountability for as an agency. That will immediately allow them to kind of feel more confident walking into that room. That's great. And and you're right, because I think even 70% of the success of that conversation is going to come from your mindset. So if you get the mindset right before you go into the interaction, and as you say, take accountability, think about what we could do differently or what we could have done differently, then you're almost not going in there kind of in a combative way, for example. So that's really good advice, actually. 
when you're hiring people for your account management team specifically, are there any kind of traits or characteristics that you look for in someone that you know is going to be more successful? I think low ego is a big one that we look for. I think being successful for an account manager, you have to have a low ego because otherwise I think you really will struggle with getting people on side and influencing you. So I think a low ego almost I feel like is a superpower for an account manager because you can go into any room and just say, you know, look, I've paid my part as well. Like you can kind of dwell on people's better nature, I think as well with the ego point. So yeah, low ego, a sense of accountability and drive and ambition, I think is a really big one. So I think, you know, if you listen to somebody and you ask the question, something like, when was the last time you took accountability over something that you didn't necessarily own directly? The answer to that question often is really telling because I think in order to progress not only in your account management position with your clients, but also more broadly in business. I think looking at something that you don't necessarily own and seeing a challenge in it and seeing it as an opportunity to take it, run with it, fix it, and kind of help the wider business is a huge reason people, I think, succeed and make their way up the kind of corporate ladder, so to speak. So yeah, sense of accountability, sense of ownership, I think is a really big one for me. And resilience. I mean, account management's hard. It's really hard. A lot of the time you feel that you're having to apologize for things that you didn't even do, as in, you know, the work that you were delivering and it's busy and you're fighting fires a lot of the time. And a lot of the things are within your influence, but outside of your control. And that can sometimes be challenging. So yeah, resilience, you're going to get bounced around all over the place. And I think as long as you can do it, do it with a bit of sense of humor and a smile, that's going to help your day-to-day enjoyment no end, you know? I bet you there's people listening, just <laughs> nodding along of what you're saying there. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, I'm taking the responsibility, you know, it's not my fault. Just finally on this topic of managing client relationships and how the account management team operate, what's most important to you about how your team manages the client relationship? I mean, I think I've probably just covered some of them, but yeah, ownership, accountability, I think stamping out blame culture within your team, within the internal team. And I think the way that you can do that is I think a having a culture of radical candor. So I think if work isn't up to scratch or the team dynamics isn't gelling well enough, it's you get in a room and everyone gets everything out on the table, but in like a kind and caring way, like everyone's doing their best, you know? And I think sometimes people just have blind spots and they don't even realize that they're doing, you know, something that may not necessarily be working for the other team members. So yeah, I think stamping up blame culture, being the client in the room, I think also really helps. So I think that goes back to if you know your client's business really well, you're kind of endlessly curious about your client's business, then you can come back into the agency and you can make sure that you're giving the team the client perspective. So again, I think this comes back to like, if the team is, you know, kind of not gelling or not working well, if you come in and say like, actually, you know, maybe it's because the client is under a lot of pressure because they're really working towards this client deadline. How can we relieve some of their pressure? Maybe we can kind of go in above and beyond by doing X, Y, Z. And the team suddenly goes, oh yeah, oh, I didn't realize they were stressed. No, I understand now, you know? So I think just putting that, you know, external perspective back into the room with the team, I think really helps. 
accountability when it comes to client growth, I think is really important, like that commercial ownership that account managers take. So the account managers are responsible for growth, profitability, experience, retention, like big chunky things, especially when, you know, you've got a wide multidisciplinary team around you delivering. So sometimes it can feel like you don't actually have a lot of control, but I always say to the team, you absolutely have so much control to lead and influence and make either a client, you know, successful or, or not on the other side of it. So I think as long as they feel like they have ownership over that commercial element, I think that's really important as well. And then I think just acting in a value-driven, relationship-driven way. It's how do we make sure that the agency is client-centric? So we always have the kind of client viewpoint when we walk into situations. Because I think, I don't know whether it's just a business thing in general, but I think agencies especially, they can become so blinkered with their own like operational service delivery and like, wow, we're doing this amazing new radical thing. And you're like, does a client actually need this? I'm not sure. So I think making sure that the client is focused on within the agency, I think is really important as well. I think that's super important. And you've just hit on something. I think it was Jeff Bezos in most meetings insists on having an empty chair in the meeting room. And he said, that's the customer sitting there. So let's imagine that we've got the customer here. So what you've just said echoes that kind of sentiment, which I think is fantastic. I think a lot of what you've said so far, Beth, kind of paints a picture of what your leadership style is, you know, very collaborative, very supportive of your team. But is there anything else about being a leader of an account management team that you think you could share with the audience to just in terms of kind of tips for them or advice for anyone stepping into more of a leadership role? Yeah. And it's funny that I think you said the two words, my uh, insights profile, you know, where you get all the colors and the the wheel and stuff. I'd maybe recommend everyone that's looking to go into a leadership role to definitely do one of them. Just really to understand yourself and understand your natural strengths, weaknesses. But mine's coordinating supporter. I think you literally said those two words when you described. So yeah, I'd say I'm democratic in style and, you know, I want to empower the team and then get out of their way really I think that's the main thing I think looking at my journey into leadership I think I always felt really at the start of my career that I didn't feel like I had the like natural style to become like a kind of traditional leader I was like I'm not the red energy guy I'm not the kind of walk into a room and who's shouting the loudest kind of person and I don't think I had a lot of people necessarily to like model what a more like democratic empathetic leader actually looks like and that was I mean kind of 10 years ago there's so much more conversation about that and especially with you know looking at female leaders as well in the industry so I think it's just understanding there is no one size fits all to what makes a successful leader and kind of as long as you understand yourself and understand that everyone has strengths and weaknesses and making sure that you're doubling down on your strengths and making sure that the weaknesses are things that aren't holding you back, I think anyone can jump into a leadership position if that's what their ambitions are. So I think maybe a tip is just to kind of not feel insecure if you're not that kind of traditional director, red energy guy. And I think the thing that I've also found with going into a leadership position is the bigger picture, the jumping from thinking about the day-to-day, you're a day-to-day individual contributor. If you see a problem on the ground, you can fix it. I think moving into more of a leadership style, you thinking, okay, how do I communicate what the challenge is? And then just like empower the team and delegate 
and just kind of feel okay with the fact that the guys are kind of getting on with it. And that's my natural style. So that's what I fit into. But I think as a bit of a control freak, it is sometimes challenging to feel that you can just let things go and hope that, you know, things get done. And I think I found that quite difficult moving from like a, an account manager, like on the ground, then overseeing everything and still seeing these fires appear every, you know, every day and then being like, okay, I have to not just go in and barrel in and try and fix it. It's like, okay, well, what are the systemic issues that we're facing as an agency? And I'll go and try and fix them rather than necessarily disempowering the team by just barreling in every time something goes wrong. So I think that's what I'd encourage people to do. Don't try and jump over people, micromanage people, think you're kind of better than them. I think the important thing for me when kind of leading the team is just focusing on not getting too down in the weeds with them. So moving from like an individual contributor to a leader, I think the important thing is to not just hang around the small things that need to get fixed. It's actually thinking about how I can empower the people in my team to learn and grow and develop, to fix those things themselves so that I don't have to necessarily come in and barrel in. And, and no one wants that really to like have a director kind of coming in and out of all their meetings, you know? So I think it's important about just trusting the team, spending time coaching, mentoring, fixing the bigger systemic issues of an agency versus the like small little fires. So yeah, I think that's definitely a tip for anyone that's moving into a leadership position as well. Beth, I think that's such a good piece of advice because when you're good at account management, you are a little bit of a control freak. That's what makes you good, right? But all of a sudden you become a leader of an account management team and you've almost got to stop being a control freak. So I think what you've just said is so spot on. Spending your energy on mentoring, coaching, looking at the systemic issues. I think that is super advice. So thank you for sharing. Listen, we've come to the top of the hour. This has gone so fantastically. Thank you so much for sharing so much of your advice. I think, you know, I'm sure I've taken loads of notes and I'm sure other people have too. So if anyone is listening to this and would like to have a chat with you, either maybe from a client perspective, because they're curious about what Hallam does, or from an account management perspective, that they're just curious about your career path, who would you like to hear from particularly? And if so, what's the best way of getting hold of you? Yeah, so I think any kind of budding, ambitious account managers who think maybe Hallam is the kind of right place for them, or even just to reach out for some advice, absolutely reach out to me on LinkedIn. You'll be able to find me on there. For kind of any clients that want to work with a strategic digital marketing agency, feel free to kind of Google us at hallaminternets.com. That's where you can find us on there. But also just reach out to me direct on LinkedIn as well for any opportunities and I can pass you on to the relevant people in our team. Um, so yeah. Beth, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for spending the time with me. I've really enjoyed it. So thank you. Thanks so much, Jenny. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Beth. And if after listening to that, you'd like to check out Callum's impressive profile on The Drum Recommends, we will include a link in the show notes. And finally, given the current unstable economic climate, client retention for agencies is a real top priority right now. So if you'd like some training for you or a member of your client-facing team in how to manage your client relationships so you're seen more as a proficient, proactive advisor rather than a reactive order taker, check out the details of my Account Accelerator program. You can go over to the website, which is accountmanagementskills.com forward slash training. And you can also book a quick call with me to see if it's the right fit. I look forward to seeing you on the next one. Thank you.